Welcome to the Lords of Loud. We're four music fans from Australia who've turned our old email debates into this podcast. I'm Lord Ben, and if we were the Beatles, I'd obviously be the smart one, but modest too. With me as always is Lord Brett, the funny one, only because we've seen him dance, Lord Kev, the quiet one, because he can't clip on a mic, and Lord Al, the cute one, with the perfect face for any podcast. Welcome back to the Lords of Loud. Thanks very much for joining us again on another episode. And uh, I'm sure we've got lots of fun for you tonight. Are you sure? Oh, well, I hope so. He said, he said he was sure. There was questions mm. last episode whether this show was, oh, it was exciting. At all. Exciting, that's right. Mm. Exciting. Um, well, it, better be, it better be fun then. <laughs> exactly. You've built it up. So on tonight's show, we're going to be talking about, we're going to be doing the second part of our Goosebumps, songs that give us goosebumps, mm. bring us the feels. And we're going to be talking about phase bands. Now, these are bands that, well, the way I would define it is that these are these are bands that, as you uh, you know grow up through high school, these are the bands that everybody has to go you know goes through and thinks are cool for a period of time. But they mightn't be the bands that you then go on to listen to you know for the rest of your your life, sort of thing. So they're a bit of a rite of passage. You think? Rite of passage bands. That's exactly uh-huh. right. Brett. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. I've taken a different take on that. Oh, good on you. <laughs> I would hope you had. And, uh, and Kev, I'm sure you've got something else. Another take, yeah. <laughs> Third option. That's right. But of course, before we do that, we've got to get on with our two most popular segments. All right. Album of the week. Yes. Uh, and our sponsor. But Brett, you've got an album of the week this week? I've got an album of the week and sod you all to start with just to get all rolling. <laughs> I want to take okay. it back to 1973 mm-hmm. uh, and an album. When you were middle aged? Released, I'm just going to talk through that. Released by the Rolling Stones, Goat's Head Soup, and they've just been—it's just been reissued. It's been reissued for the third time. Going on. Yep. Every every every, every time uh, uh, a record company buys a record company that the Rolling Stones uh-huh. are in, they release re-release everything. Re-release everything. Money. That's right. Got to get our money on it. It's purely for the for the fans, though, right? They're not thinking mm-hmm. about me. Anyway, it has been has been reissued, uh, and it's. Favorite it's tracks on that, uh, Angie. Angie, Angie. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's interesting about it is, though, it's generally regarded as the album after the Stones were good. <laughs> so the classic period of the Rolling Stones is now over. Yep. Yeah, is over. So, so you know, they're talking like six. They talk about the classic Stones are like sixty-seven to seventy-two. Yep. Um, and so basically, the, the Stones finished '72 on Exile on Main Street, and then they did this massive tour. It's all downhill from there. And and it's it's uh, the the tour is legendary. This '972 American tour, um, and then they just burnt out shells of themselves. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, they decide, well, we've got to keep recording. So they go to Jamaica because it's one of the few spots where they can are actually allowed in the country anymore yep. to record. Um, and you know, you always know a band stretching when they have to. They, they're going. Oh, where's the most Jamaica. obscure place we can go? <laughs> yeah, let's go to. Jamaica. Let's go to this little cabin in Iceland, <laughs> and I'm sure that will reinvigorate the creative uh, oh, yeah, yeah. process for us. So what's interesting is if if you take it out of history and you look at it by itself, which is really hard to do, there's actually some really good good stuff on it, right? Yep. Um, uh, Mick Taylor's still in the band, so there's some beautiful guitar work from him. Um, there's a few songs in there where you sort of start going, okay, we're, we've we're ditching we're ditching the rock, yeah. and, and Jagger's taking us down some interesting roads, mm. but it's still got a, it's still got a, a, a great a, a bunch of 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 uh, uh, supporting acts there. Uh, Bobby Keys is is still on sax 
uh, uh, playing for them. Uh, Billy Preston, Nicky Hopkins, Ian Stewart, they're still on there. So got the uh, engine room there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when they're when they're hitting their 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 stride, it really works. There's just a few songs there. Again, in isolation, you go, that's not a bad album. Yeah, there's a few. Yeah, there's a few. and Angie was really a different direction. I wonder if that was a bit of a you know, a response to what was coming through with your sort of Flying Burrito Brothers and that yeah, sort of yeah. rock, yeah. Uh, sorry, country rock, starting start of that sort of country rock yeah. laid back sort of feel, the Eagles type thing, you know. Yeah, I think so. Uh, uh, the critics were a little savage. They talked about uh, that that everything they, you know, and in retrospect they say everything they did from then on just sound bloated. <laughs> but when you think about what they'd been through, I mean, they'd been through this golden period where... where well, Exile nearly broke them anyway. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it, but every, every album, uh, uh, you know, uh, from Beggar's Banquet onward was just a, a classic. Mm. And again, this, this album went to number one in the UK. Angie went to, to number one. So the fans were still there, but I think pretty soon the fans got a little tired of it. Yeah, and crazy cover too. Is that it's Jagger, isn't it, on the front with yeah, a, yeah, basically with like a, a stocking or some sort yeah. of silk sheet, yeah, pulled, like over his face pulled up. Yeah, yeah. I, I missed the title. I have to see what was the title. Goat's head soup. Mm. Ah. Funnily enough, it's your favourite dish. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that's a coincidence. I tell you. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, worth having a listen to. Um, uh, again, in the reissue, they got a bunch of of other tracks. Yeah, I'm never too keen on that stuff. Yeah. Um, and also interesting too, I think this is this is when Jagger starts to sing a little different, uh, and and you can see the way the style in which he sings now mm. is sort of starts in on this album. Okay, um, so this was pre bloat They weren't quite bloated. They're on the way. To, they're on the way of being bloated. They're on the way. On the way to, to Richard's being a zombie, a heroin zombie. You know, hey. no one lived. No one lived in the same country anymore. They're mm. all sort of split apart. So it's sort of like the. This is the start of the excess. Yes. Could it have been the soup that gave them the bloat? That's right. Could be. Could be. So lay off the goat's head. So start percolating. Mm. <laughs> Very good. All right. Thanks, Brett. And uh, tonight's sponsor, we've got a real treat tonight. This is uh, this is the Young Talent Time Hits. Oh. And this is volume four, which everyone knows, of course, is the best volume yeah. out of the 24 that it's they like released. It's like Led Zeppelin four. Um, <laughs> this is them. This is them really hitting their strides in the in the sort of early seventies. I've got. Uh, let's see, who have you got on this? You've got Jamie Redfern. You got uh, yeah, Jamie Redfern, Dennis Walter, of course, would go on to be one of the great club singers. Uh, in so, Australian history. so, so Lord Ben, for those uh, for those of, those of us who are too. Uh, too young, yes, to yeah. to remember Young Talent Time or yeah. overseas. That's right. So Young Talent Time. If you think of if you think of say the Mickey Mouse Club in the US, yes. Um, but take out uh, take out Mickey or anyone of any kind of credibility. Put in Johnny <laughs> Young, who was a wannabe pop star. Mm. He became the father of a troop of young wannabe singers who would uh, perform different hits on a Sunday night in Australia, and uh, became well became just a phenomenon really. It was like the uh, what it was. It's a bit like Idol, but these guys would be regulars. So yeah, yeah. Mm. it would just there'd be an ongoing series. You'd have a rotation of once a certain artist, so to speak, uh, had enough <laughs> fame, they would go off and they'd spin that off into a solo career, and yes. they'd uh-huh. get in. They'd get in another young, yeah. young artist. And there must have been a few. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but surely there was some from the eighties. Yeah, well, in the eighties it was very popular, and you had people like uh, Danny Minogue. Danny Minogue yes, came through. Came Tina, out of there. Tina Arena is probably, probably the biggest, probably the biggest uh-huh. one, the biggest yeah. vocal yeah. star. And you know, when you consider yeah. she's still, 
Yep. She's still quite popular, still really big in Europe and that. That's right. Mm-hmm. So she made it. She made it. Yeah. Cool. And back in the day, Jamie Redfern was was massive. Oh, massive. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a real a real star factory there in uh, young talent time. So they do a few great songs on this cover. It's all covers, of course. Uh, He's a rebel. They do holiday classic uh, BG song. Uh, what else we got here? It's worth m- note. Nothing. Uh, nothing. nothing. Yeah. So that's <laughs> Lots good. of forgettable hits. What's, what's volume that's on four the, uh, by now? Wow, volume four. four. Wow. That's right. We're running out of stuff to play here. Uh, but that's on the Harlequin label. Uh, so, yeah, do yourself a favour. Always reliable, Harlequin. Yeah, yeah, one of the great labels, of course. You don't mess around. And it looks on the cover, i just point this out, and, of course, if you go to our uh, Instagram and Facebook, you'll be able to see the cover. Uh, but it looks like they're in like a, what would you call that, like a Christmas candy uh, shirt combat uh, like uh, coordinated colours there. They're in. It like looks a, a bit like they might start working in sort of Willy yeah, Wonka's a, sweet shop. Yeah, it's almost like an umpa lumpa yep. look. Yep. Really, you'd have to say. Uh, so yeah, do yourself a favour. Go out and get yourself volume four. Make sure it's volume four. Oh, mm. yeah. Of Young Talent Time. We've all been hits. bond on. It's and, and Young, young it's Talent, the best of the first twenty. Young Talent Time, renowned for uh, slaughtering a Beatles song at the end of every episode. Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. They'd always finish with. Um, um, close your, close your eyes. eyes, and they would just slaughter it. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. So it was every week. Every week, they every week, that was their sign off. Good night, Australia. Yeah, yeah, big wave to the Good night, Australia. That's right. Brilliant. Good. Absolutely brilliant. Okay, so let's move on to our um, first segment. Our first, well, third segment, first real segment. Uh, and this is I, I'm, I'm confused what you're saying here. What have we, what have we been listening and to? And this is uh, Goosebumps song. So this is the part two. We did this a couple of episodes back. There may have been three. We're not, well, you know, we've mm, been there. Uh, something. The this is the third time we've done this. Some, um, some scratching of heads. But please go back through our back catalogue and, and check out what we put in as the first episode yeah, of Goosebumps. Yeah. Feedback, you know, and get yeah. us on the medias and tell us what we've done. Cause yeah. <laughs> You can't remember. <laughs> so these are these are songs that you know raise the hairs on the back. These are the ones that really hit us in the feels. <laughs> um, what are you saying, Brett? <laughs> <laughs> raise the hairs on your what? <laughs> yep. Who wants to kick us off with uh, their first goosebump song for this episode? Oh, I will. All right, Al. Here we go. So um, so so this is uh, uh, I vaguely recall what I said last time, and I'm sure. It, other times I've, I've mentioned, you know, just how awesome Jeff Buckley is. Um, so out of the songs, there, there aren't many that still give me goosebumps. There are ones that certainly, you know, make me feel something. Uh, but in terms of goosebumps, the hairs on my back, crack and sack. Um, <laughs> this, this is Jeff Buckley with uh, Lilac Wine. It's just really sweet. No doubt about it. It's very sweet, and it's um, it's a fun one to play on guitar. And I mean, I, I certainly can't sing like Jeff. No, no. I mean, it's it's hard to believe. Maybe um, like a sort of a drunk pigeon version of Jeff. <laughs> if I, you know, if I may be so bold. I've only heard you squawking a few times. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> that, that'll be the closest. Yeah. So in It's close. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's definitely like a drunk pigeon. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you remember that. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. If you keep that in mind, mm. it's, it's quite convincing. So what's he getting at there? It's a song about Bevy. <laughs> so, so, so he's... 
that, that's a cover. I can't remember who did it originally. Uh, but yes, oh, it's so didn't, essentially didn't do the research. He's uh, uh, done a sad version of it, bro. It was uh, originally by um, Tori Amos. Amos did a nice <coughs> oh, cover. That's a shame you talked all over it. I couldn't say it was, a big, um, it was a big upbeat. It was an upbeat cover. Oh, it was an upbeat song. He did a Tory on it. A funk song. Yep. <laughs> um, so yes, um, a man lamenting or a woman, I guess, uh, lamenting their lost love um, and getting drunk uh, while remembering. Um, yeah, but yeah, playing it on guitar is fun, uh, singing along is fun, and yes, there's always bits in the song uh, that give me goosebumps when I try and do it, probably because mm. um, I'm terrible at it. Um, but it's <laughs> so this is fear yeah, we're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't know, yeah, so it's yeah, it's a lovely it's song, lovely falsetto, yeah, lovely instrumentation, yeah, and I'm terrified of what I'm doing to it. Yeah, <laughs> that's the combination, that, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Very good. So I'm strangling it. So. Okay. Brett, did you want to we'll go around? Uh, 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 mine is a song by Midnight Oil. So it's in a little bit of a different vein to that one. Okay. Let's have a listen to this one. about the lyrics here? Or? Oh, the, 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 um, what's interesting is this is a live version, right? So this is from the uh, Dream and Blue album, which is a live album, and, and the, an album uh, made famous for no overdubs and leaving all the mistakes. So the, in this song, he drops the mic, and, it, and there's, <laughs> so there's, just, there's just half a line is missing because you hear the mic hit the floor and then he picks mm-hmm. it up. Um, or was he what, just making a statement? Maybe. What, what's interesting, though, is... Uh, this song uh, was, I think, might have been from the Red Sails and the Sunset album. I didn't mind it then, but but it really comes to to life as a live song, and and uh, uh, that guitar riff sliding in there it really cuts through. Really quite exciting. What's even more exciting is th- is they recorded it uh, here in Boondall, um, and I I was in the audience when they recorded it. Didn't really? know they were recording that night, but yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I went to a Midnight Oil concert in in Boondall and and. Um, and you know, if you'd known, you could have, you know, yeah. I could have yelled out the right moment. Could have opened up those <laughs> banshee lungs on all over it. <laughs> it's possible that you inspired this song then, right? Just by being there with your uh, hair and yeah, stuff. Maybe. I, I don't know. Inspired the mic drop. Like, it's like you said, Brett. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm, out. I'm out of here. Yeah, but yeah, I, I mean that that album uh, uh, is full of goosebump songs, uh, just really raw. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's that's what I was curious about. Like, did you have a different take on it? Because I know we always come at these things slightly differently. Like, what does it mean, goosebumps to you? Like, to, to me, it's got this sort of sense of like it's a, something that's getting you. Just the actual music of it's getting you. You just want to hear it louder and louder. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Just yeah, want to get lost yeah, right yeah. into it. It just yeah. kind of connects with you somehow. Like, yes. I can imagine that one being you're driving along the road and you just you got to turn you, it up a bit. That's right. right. You could turn it up and do accelerate. It just gets. You know, and uh-huh. and yeah, because it's it's a well, it's, and you're right. For me, goosebumps. That's energy, and that song. You know, that that slicing guitar riff just gives you that energy of yes, and you, mm. you know, you go back to the teenager and probably still who I am. Uh, you just can imagine yourself 
slamming that guitar around and yeah. jumping around. Yeah, that, and that's for me, that's an instant goosebumps. Mm. I guess sometimes the goosebumps for me means, you know, it's got a sweetness to it. Whereas, you know, a song like that isn't sweet. It's just got, you know, the right combination of mm. everything yeah. Yeah. that, you know, makes you, yeah, like you say, Kev, just make you connect with the music. Yeah, I mean, that's like true. Like, those are two very different songs, but yeah. like when I f- had a short list for something like this, it's all very, you know, quite fast, mm. mm-hmm. energy-driven songs. I can understand totally. Like, there's the songs that, um, you know, like Black Cherry by uh, Goldfrapp or whatever, like completely minimalist, but just perfectly done. Mm. That that were close to being ones I would have chosen as well. So that's mm-hmm. that's one I'm, I'm kind of getting at, like. Uh, but in the end, more of the ones I thought about were, you know, all about kinetic <laughs> energy. And, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Mm. That's probably yeah. a nice segue into where I'm going if you've... Yeah, because it was... Yeah. Um, this is Prince. And, um, yeah, there's a few reasons I chose this, but I'll let you hear a bit. And we'll have to hear it loud from the start, Ben. That's that's my um, that's my preamble. <laughs> so Just because it's the drop that I love. What are we hearing first here? Uh, um, I Would Die For You. So is this again? Is this, is this more lyrics or the or the, the hi hat? It never. It was never really. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot about the hi hat. It's definitely about the music. This one for me. Um, um, so this is on the Purple Rain album, and yes. I often get things wrong when I say this with my memory's a bit rubbish, but pretty sure it's just right in the middle of the album. It's right in the middle of the movie that went along with the album. And it's just you know without tempting Alan too much it's just tossed off like it's just something in a in a in an album of absolute astounding songs yes, yes. but this is the one after all this time that I just want to hear louder and louder yeah, and louder yeah. it's just something about the groove of that first verse and mm. um, the way the song just hangs together it goes into a great like um, brass break- breakdown later on you know and it, as, as I say, I think what I loved about it was that it was up against such heavy hitters as Purple Rain and you know yeah, yeah. all those those kind of things when Dolls will cry and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and just right in the middle of the movie, they just play it in the club. Yeah, you know, obviously yeah, the yeah, movie yeah. was kind of made to show what a great live band he had as mm. well, and you know how many great songs they had. And they just drop it in there. And I just, I just think <laughs> it's just phenomenal because it's it's almost like a mission statement as well. I haven't thought about the lyrics a lot. Um, but he's telling people that I'm something you'll never understand. You know, yeah. I, don't limit me to, you know, male and female. Don't limit me to just some performer. Mm. And, yeah. um, you know, he had an aggressive, combative type of um, start to his career. You know, a lot of people thought he was just no good, you know. And yeah, yeah. Um, this was him letting people know, mm. you know, that he's there to stay. And, uh, yeah, and, and, and the performances that go along with it, you can kind of see them in your mind's eye when you hear that. But, um I think that this is just a no nonsense Prince song. You know what I mean? Yeah, if such yeah. a thing exists, mm. he's just and, and, and it's a classic '80s song too, right? Mm, it's yeah. got that hand clap in there, mm-hmm. um, and and re- yeah, it's just it just takes you straight back into that that period, right? And he was writing, you know, just song after song after song of just pure gold around this yeah, time, yeah. and um, you know the stories about him, you know, being left in the studio and just having written an album that. 
you know anyone would have been proud of and he's just yeah, throwing yeah. things away you know mm-hmm. yeah. and that was in that period as well and uh, there's just some of the, the sort of innovation that comes out of being so such a great musician yes the simplicity as well just i love that bass line drop at the beginning just that little mm-hmm. rundown mm-hmm. and you're into this gliding synth mm. and everything just hangs together so nicely yeah. um and as i say it like it leads off into this huge um, brass thing um towards the end and uh, yeah whenever i've heard it over the years it's never failed to be right up there mm-hmm. and it's kind of like after all this time you know how you see in youtube and stuff those clips where you go like over time you know your favorite print song it's, mm-hmm. it's out there now <laughs> and I, I i wouldn't have expected it i would have yeah. expected one of the big ones so yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. cool there we go very good I'll die for you all right thanks, thanks kev um yeah i think i when i was thinking about this tonight i, I thought I think I guess when you when you generally think about this, you think, okay, what are the what are the ones that really bring out emotion or you know a, a sadness or a, a memory or whatever like that? But I, I think I tried to sort of steer away from that tonight and went with um, ones that just really, whether out of like a, with a performance aspect, it really just you know shocks you into a like a whoa, okay, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Or um, so the first one I've got tonight is, and it's probably going to be hard to pinpoint the part but it's um the who with won't get fooled again and the part is where roger daltrey comes back in after the, the right towards the end of the song with this just horrific scream <laughs> yes. Drunk yes. theme, isn't it? yeah and you've just built the song i mean the song's just such a good song and the it's all about the world we live in and you know here comes the the new boss same as the old boss and it's yes. just like being downtrodden and and you know it's just such an orwellian type of song and then he just comes in with this scream of like "get me out of here" type yes. <laughs> thing right towards awesome. the end, and just can't help but get goosebumps over that. So, yeah, I'll I'll try and hit the spot, but um, yeah, so this synth uh, is just fantastic, and the and the drum, yeah, mm. it's it's just awesome. It's just so good. What's the song again? Or a third beat? This is "Won't Get Fooled Again." What? Oh, I kind of recognise it oh. from this, but but. I haven't heard any lyrics yet, so I can't get that one. <laughs> get that one one out. Is that a bum note in there, or is that just a skip? Uh, the the synth, the modulation here goes sort of up and down, so you get a couple of things which are not quite in, uh, in mm. tune. Yeah, well, I think I don't. Yeah. Awesome. You're right. That's a yeah. goosebumps, and, and, and you can just imagine Tanzan on stage yeah. doing his windmill. Oh, when slash you see him doing that, oh, yeah, I got, go- lights, I got goosebumps uh, watching Lord Brett uh, egg guitar through that one. <laughs> I just, just awesome. I couldn't, I couldn't look over that direction. I was worried that that was what was happening. I could see arms out of my peripheral vision, but I was like, nah. Yeah. I'm just watching Star Wars on the TV. No, there. to see to see it live, it's it's incredible when they mm. yeah come back in with that and they just throw everything at it. So yeah, that's my. First one, and um, you're right. And you're right. That yeah, yeah. that point in the song too is is when it's when it just comes back in, and you know life is shit. But then it just comes in, it screams, and it's just guess what? Yeah, still the same. Same stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, it's brilliant. Woo. I'll just jump in there quickly and say that there's a favourite band of mine called Raid, and they um they they did the closest thing to ripping that off that you can imagine with their song "Leave Them All Behind," where they 
the intro was just this beautiful, you know, organ, you know, just mm-hmm. holding those like uh, those notes down and um, they used the same trick just to kick off a song called Leave Them All Behind, which was a very different song. But you instantly you heard it, you went, fair play. You've got to, <laughs> you've got to use something like that more than once in the history yeah. of recording music. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, they, they went for it. So um, And that would almost have been a Goosebumps song of mine pretty much by ripping off the who so mm. Mm. all right al what's your next one well my next one is uh yeah stands in great contrast to uh to my first one um but we need to skip a little bit ahead in the song this is a uh, metallica and one and what it is it's the lead up to uh, uh, i guess the last section of the song There we go. I got goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> so you're doing that absolutely. machine gun drumming. No, not just that bit, but that whole section to start yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the chorus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, it's a great classic song. You've got to get RSI playing that guitar, right? Surely you yes. get RSI playing that. Ticket a thing. Yeah, that, yeah for, for me, it's. I guess it's the. Uh, like that whole album is full of multi-layered guitars. Yes. And in that one, it's just, you know. Just no bass. Yeah, yeah, no bass. <laughs> <laughs> done with, uh, done with you know, just the right layering. You know, mm, we'll put another mm. bit on here, another bit on there. And then, yeah, you know, the kick drum starts coming in to, you know, tell you what's coming up next. And then it actually kicks in with that bit. And, mm. But it's mainly, yeah, the lead up to, mm. to that bit. And, yeah. Building tension in the song, is that what they're doing? Yes, building tension. Taking yes, on the very good. Yes. Let's not get too technical. <laughs> That's right. The same Metallica. <laughs> I thought we were just talking about goosebumps. I didn't realise we were talking about tension. Mm. <laughs> All right, Brett, which one? Well, I've got another Prince song. Okay. And yeah. I, was, I was hoping that Ben wasn't going to choose that. But this is uh, one from the 1994 album. He says, saying the date. Uh, this is Musicology. Well done. <laughs> This is his best James Brown impersonation. Fuck him. Heard about 49, just east of Harlem. Dougie gonna be there, but you got to call, call him. Even the soldiers need a break sometime. So uh, is it his little bedroom voice there that gets you bread? <laughs> That's right, just imagine with those flares and no shirt on. A little Herbie Hancock as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I mean, the, I guess what I enjoy about funk songs is the syncopation, the little the little gaps left out, mm. the fact that everything drops out every now and then, it's just a little drum kick, mm. or and the fact that he's playing all the instruments himself, just, you know, mm. that I think... I think it's that level of musicianship which you were talking about, Kev. Just astounds astounds me that that he can play all those things, write a good song, put it all together, and and uh, just make him want to dance. Mm. Yeah, yes. that's great. And, and that's and it. If it's you those... ever see me trying to dance to that song, I hope that you'll <laughs> forcibly remove me from the building. <laughs> that's right. Sometimes it's hard to exclude some of the backstory to the song, whether it is that oh. yes, it's just him on, yeah. on all the instruments, or whether it's. You know, this is right when he just broke up with a 
partner mm. or mm. this is, you know, some, you know, if there's some backstory that you know, it's sometimes very hard to remove that from, yeah, you know, just from the music. So, I mean, I think it's kind of ironic, but um, one of the things that Heidi and I uh, talk about time to time, this is Lady Heidi, um, and I talk about is, is Prince and how she got into Prince when I got off of Prince. <laughs> and it's been a, an ongoing theme that we've talked about in podcasts before. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I can't really relate to that like straight yeah. funk thing. Yeah. yeah, like I feel that he's wasted in that. You know, there's so much more he has to offer, but he'd already given us so much more. Mm. It's like you're mm. entitled, man. Yeah, don't let me ring you in or anything. But um, yeah, it's not. You're gonna cut him some slack. It doesn't. It doesn't bump my goose. You know, in the way that you know the other stuff does, and that's sure. that's as true now as it was. You know, 20 minutes ago when it went on about something from 20 years. <laughs> um, but I'm gonna go with another 80s song. Um, just in the spirit of there's so many songs that are fantastic, right? You gotta find a way to tie them together, and it's Kate Bush with um, whatever it was I chose. <laughs> this is Hounds of Love. Such a good song. This album's insane. And I just yeah, again, it's got better and better, I think, this one song. Among others, but this is the one that just gets me. I don't know. The first side of this album, it's a it's a double album for those playing at home. Um, but the first side of the first disc is just mind boggling. You've got cloud bursting, there's some running up that hill and yeah. just incredible. Just, I just don't know what she's getting at, and I love that. I just, oh, there's just an aching there. There's just yeah. like a sense of loss that's just so beautifully <laughs> kind of uh, vocalised. Yeah. Is this the one where she gets on about the red shoes towards the end, and you hear this emotion in her voice when she's singing yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Throw yeah. them in a lake, she says, and yeah. it just, it just has this poetry to it, and it has this like humanism, um, and, um, and just a, a beautiful driving song with an again the, the synth <laughs> mm. sort of providing that and just again one of those that background yeah and one of the great one of those great artists that could bridge between similar to a journey mitchell or something like that and for her even more successfully that she could bridge that sort of alternate style but with pop hits as well like she could she, mm. she, could, she could keep the credibility get critical acclaim put out some really interesting mm. you know music but still have those hits yeah yeah, at yeah. The same time, so. another thing she's got in common another paradox she has in common is that she's the girl next door who's also the most incredible artist mm. yes. an engaged artist that you could yeah. imagine a dancer a singer a performer you know and um you know and and also just a down-to-earth person who you know um just wrote songs for a living yeah, <laughs> yeah. that way you know this woman's work stuff like that of just you know, expressing things that um very, very hard, mm. very hard to do, but um so effortlessly, you know, yeah. gliding, you know, I should sing these songs and just, just glide through them. And you were like, yeah, a, a lot of people, you know, be talking about she's ethereal this and she's ethereal that, but she always seemed to me to be that fantastic paradox of being from another world, but also from yeah. the town you knew. Yeah, and you're right, because, because, and we've talked about it before. There's there are uh, 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 bands and performers, and then there are artists. And she falls in that artist category because everything she touched about releasing music uh, was in was incredible. So you know all that interpretive dance she did, you know, yeah. she was so passionate about that. 
uh, as you said, the lyrics just sort of, you know, otherworldly and the sounds and the mm. look. It was like, it was like, yes, this is serious artistic statement she's making. Mm. And as you said, Ben, the fact that, that on top of that, she also wrote great songs that, that people who didn't even buy into that whole weird stuff mm. uh, loved anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And, and don't forget, she appeared on the Kenny Everett video show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. More than once. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. That was a big moment. And, yeah. <laughs> of course, discovered and mentored by a friend of the show, Dave Gilmore. Yes. Yeah, I think Pink it's Floyd amazing fame. what she achieved despite, you know, <laughs> involvement of, you know, of Gilmore. That's yeah. another testament to her. <laughs> that, that gives me goosebumps. Just imagine that dude <laughs> scraping into the studio. <laughs> All right, Kate. Uh, there's, there's, you rumors you, there's rumors you did a lot more than that, but we won't <laughs> get into that. <laughs> oh, right. Um, wow. So my other one is we're going back into the uh, early 90s here. I think we're looking at about 94. Uh, and this is uh, this is a band, uh, Smashing Pumpkins. And this is the... This is, I guess, this was their. This album's, yeah, I guess you, you hate the term, but it's, it was their Sergeant Peppers, and that's um, "Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness." Um, and you mean this, you would hate the term? <laughs> 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 I'm okay with it myself. There's only <laughs> one. <sense. laughs> that's right. But, yeah. Um, and this was a double album of theirs again. This is the opening track, and it's just an instrumental, but it's just one of the most beautiful melodies I've ever heard, and from a band that you know generally <laughs> is is about. You know, loud guitars, mm. fuzz, and and you know, um, you know, to the to the point of almost a metal grunge feel. Mm. Um, this is just such a gorgeous melody that that kicks off what's generally a fairly um, heavy album. And again, this thing builds, start to get some synth and stuff come in, which just really takes it to another place. You gotta say, I'm waiting for Meatloaf to start up with Peter Cetera or something. That's what given the thought that either of those guys might appear at any moment. Maybe both. So, this is like, um, you know, it almost puts you to sleep before mm -hmm. it then builds into like some of the big. And on this first side, again, of a double, double uh, disc album, you've got Butterfly with uh, Bullet Wings. Bullet with Butterfly Wings, sorry. Um, it's Tonight, Tonight. Mm -hmm. This leads directly into some other sort of bigger mm -hmm. songs yeah just a and a bit like what you was know, happened a couple of times it wouldn't have been my choice from this band yeah, but yeah, I that could have synth there. It's, mm. it's like an organ synth so you have to yeah, catch you off there oh that's right I'm, yeah like they've uh, they've been a favourite of mine and, um, yeah it's not really what they're you know yeah not their ballpark if you like yeah, but, that's uh, right yeah. and it took I think it, that's it took people by surprise this this album because it, you know it is it's essentially a prog album. It's got a theme about you know um, starting in in sort of uh, a dusk, I think it is, and goes through the night and sort of to dawn type mm. thing over the album. And um, yeah, it's very loose. And again, like Sergeant Peppers, it's only a very loose concept. Yeah, um, but yeah, you, on that album also you've got like 1979, which is just such a good. See, Al, what was that look for? <laughs> 1979, no, no, uh, which no. is a great song. As yeah, well. I love it. I love it. Yeah, all right. Well, that's good. That's my last one. Um, yeah, so we've get on. The goose. We've got, the goose has been. We've all got the goose bumps yep, now. Yep, so we're all, nobody can mm -hmm. stand up. 
Well, I think, I think we can potentially do a third one somewhere down, if, or oh, a fourth one, whatever, fourth, yeah, yeah. whatever number we're at to. Oh, you mm. could go forever. I mean, there's just so many little bits in songs or songs. In, interesting, though, that, that these are all songs significantly from the past, right? Is that Does that key into well, it as well? <laughs> I've deliberately tried not to go into the 90s every single time, <laughs> <laughs> and I've gone further into the past. Yeah, yeah I haven't yeah. come, you know. Um, any closer towards you know Taylor Swift? Right, I think we talked about it in the first episode of Goosebumps. Sometimes a huge element of this is that it meant something to you in a, yeah. in a particular moment yes, in your life. So you know, yeah. I think yeah, for me, both of those songs that I've chosen are, are um, yeah. The one of the things that blows me away about them and I love about them is that I still love them. Mm-hmm. You know, the, yeah. the, the 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 magic has never gone anywhere else. Yeah, uh, I've had well. I, I, there was another song that I had up my sleeve, which, even though it was from the eighties, I only started really listening to it in the past couple of years. So, uh, you know, I don't know if that qualifies as, you know, but being from the past, if it's still mm. new to me. So certainly, I agree generally that yeah, a I lot guess of what them, it means is you weren't paying attention at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and no, I was. Now you're trying to jump on there and say yes. Yeah. Talk talk are amazing. Um, I've realised that at last. Um, don't know. Maybe that's what it is. It, it could be. Yeah. Are you talking about the Beatles? Is that what you're talking about? You've only discovered them of late? No. <laughs> <laughs> I have discovered a lot of Beatles that I'd never listened to before. Wow. Yeah, courtesy of Lords of Loud, but um, no. Excellent. All right. Well, that was very good. Let's move on to the next uh, final segment here today, and that is phase bands, uh, or as Brett put it, a better term might be rite of passage bands. Kick us off with uh, a phase band that you... Well, it's a phase band that, that was particular uh, to gentlemen uh, my age, uh, which is Midnight All. And I and what's interesting is when they were hitting their uh, political straps uh, in the 80s, uh, uh, I uh, hit that time in high school when you want to jump on any whole bandwagon. Puberty? Oh, save, jump on bandwagons, yeah, sure. Save, save the whale. <laughs> Um, you know, where you're going with it? Nuclear, nuclear is bad, um, and so it, it seemed like at that time, everyone had to get into. Uh, and again, you know, for for boys of that age, it's the the energy rush. Don't the clench angry. your fist like that when you say boys of that age. I'm pointing yeah. at you. It's a fully closed fist. Fully yeah. closed. Well, well you thank you. Yeah. I, I've heard about Brett. So. <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> And so it was all about energy and raw and yelling and screaming and, and that mm. horrific dancing. Mm. Um, <laughs> but it just maybe, it gave, maybe it gave young boys hope. Look, I can dance like that. I don't need to, That's right. I don't need to hey, be like I've Michael seen, Jackson. I've yeah, seen yeah, Brett yeah. dance, so, you know. And, and, uh, and Peter Garrett couldn't really sing. No. Um, so mm. I gave, gave anyone who, yes. who could semi-sing, mm-hmm. you know, the heads up. But, yeah, again, it was that, was that phase where angry young man phase. Yeah, political. Political. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and again, you know, at that point in the eighties, everyone was jumping on the nuclear is bad, and yeah. they and they were one of the ones at the front. So just at, at that point in life, again, I wouldn't say it's happening nowadays, but that was the phase band that that everyone around me had to go through. We all had to like the Earls at some point, mm-hmm. but at some point, everyone walks away from it. So, so, so was it was it about the yeah that it was like a bit of an Australian institution, mm. you know, like Paul Kelly. It's just like you have to love you him, have to. you mm. know. Yes. Is that, you know, because I, I mean, they did a concert or a union concert after Peter Garrett had left politics and went back on the road and there was just people, you know, <laughs> dying to get to this mm. thing. Um, 
so it must have been like that growing up, you know, just oh, they were yeah, huge. Very huge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and and I think too, you know, when, when you're at that age, sticking it to the man mm. was what they were uh, were all about as well. You know, mm. the US is stuffed, and you know, the government is stuffed, and we need yeah. to we need to sort it out ourselves. Mm. And that just speaks to to a young a young man. Mm. You yeah. know, don't tell me what to do. I'm going to you know do it my own way. Yeah. In a similar vein, I think uh, one that I had was um, Bob Marley. I felt yes. that a lot of kids, you know, at some age got, you know, found Bob Marley and, and for whatever reason felt that, that, you know, they had a cause as well and, and Bob <laughs> was speaking to them and, and whatever yeah. and, uh, you know, even well, they're, what, they're, they're so worlds apart. But What do you um, think the cause was? <laughs> like for some of them it was purely, oh, I'm oh sure. I, I'm this pro- guy smokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll That's smoke right. too. That's right. There was certainly that part of the culture but, um, yeah, one that I felt, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Obviously Sometimes those phase bands you're part of, right, and and you're not. Other ones you watch from the outside and <laughs> go, jeez, <laughs> these these people, you know, yeah. desperately following, you know, uh, some some guy with a ridiculous accent, you know, mm, advocating yeah. drug use. Yeah. Well, you're putting your but there was a, there was a lot of kids in sort of year, <laughs> like, year eight and nine drawing having you know, your own pot feet. leaves on oh, their yes. on their you know yeah. on yeah. their books and mm-hmm. and uh, doing you know like. Rastafarian yes. colouring, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. colours, flags, and different things on there. You know, or, or, um, or even worse, uh, 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 young white pasty boys, <laughs> you know, wearing those Rastafarian sort of, you know, mm. hats and that. It's like, oh, okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you judge me. It's, it feels like cultural appropriation, all right. Oh, absolutely. See, I think like, and we've talked about this before, but that's the way I always saw Pink Floyd was because they were just a poster on the wall band, and mm. signify like we can come in here and. We can put on, you know, some slow rock and, you know, have a few joints. That was, you know, it just seemed to be like something you needed to grow out of real quick. (laughs) And I didn't ever think that people would, you know, seriously like them. I, gen- I mean, it sounds like I'm being sarcastic. I genuinely thought, oh, you'll you'll grow over that. You'll grow ahead of that. You know, like, like you might as well be listening to a lot of Bob Marley. It's just Mm. the same principle, isn't it? (laughs) You know, and um, all the Smiths. Yeah, I mean, that's Smiths, Smiths were, definitely, were, yeah. were, were yeah. definitely, you know, but the thing is, I was caught up in the Smiths. I didn't see it for that. Mm. No yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know? And uh, <laughs> I just figured, you know, they're just really great. You know? Yeah, well, I was but lucky like, enough. <laughs> luckily, Morrissey's come along now and proven themselves to be such a twat <laughs> that you can <laughs> kind of that's it, yeah. really disassociate yourself yeah. from them in a way that it would have been harder to do if he'd kept his mouth shut for the last 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Thank God for me. I, I, yeah, I didn't go through the Smiths in high school. I, I found them sort of later in as a young adult. Otherwise, I, it would have ruined it for me. I think. <laughs> so thank God it was not a phase band for me. But um, yeah, another one I had was uh, the Doors. I just feel yes. like that was that was one that totally. And I think particularly for me because I, I was going through uh, high school. Um, <laughs> about to say in there during their last concert but no um <laughs> i was going through high school as the as the uh is it, is it oliver stone yes uh, yeah, right. yeah which is which is a great great film yeah um so they they'd sort of had a you know, a renaissance like a resurgence in mm. popularity around that time um, mm-hmm. but i just feel like they were one of those those bands that mm-hmm. you know you you come across in high school mm. um, you know i mean i still i still love the doors but I do feel like it's, it's something that you pass through a phase with the doors. Like you're not going to buy a copy of Jimbo's poetry. No, no. but you're right. I think I think there are a couple There's a lot of, key, of souls key ingredients who like to there. Attach themselves though to yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Like Jim Morris, because mm. it, because you get that 
not only you know so it's retro so you get that sort of groovy groovy retro feel to to the songs they're of that of that era but on top of that you then get this pseudo intellectual poetry you know and, mm-hmm. and, and you know and and the mysterious and the darkness and you know this is the end and yeah, rise on the storm and it's like ooh, you know but after yeah. a while you sort of go yeah okay yeah you know time to move on now so here's an interesting thing i mean they all do have certain common factors all of the bands we've mentioned have written great songs mm. they oh, really yeah. have yeah, yeah. you know mm. but they also have that sort of cringe factor a little bit you know what i mean it's hard to imagine putting like for folk age to put putting any of those albums on now yeah. Do you know what I mean? And not feel a bit embarrassed. Yeah. I think yeah. it gets uh, some of them. I don't, uh, and maybe because Midnight Oil is so Australian, I don't feel it quite as much as Morrissey and the Doors, but mm. it does get this cultish element around it. Mm. It's like you've got your fans, but then you've got the, no, you don't understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it comes back to what Kev's always exactly talking about, you where you have your, your true fans, and once they become popular, they're not, you know, and I think for me, um, you know, seeing bunch of people in high school you know just adoring people like the doors or, or bob marley or whatever just thinking really like what do you really even like it you could just tell it wasn't about the music it was just mm. it was more of an image thing and oh, it, was, cool it seemed like a shortcut doors, didn't it you know? it, it, it seemed yeah, like from the outside like, right. it seemed like yeah, oh yeah. you know you've just kind of found something that's like of course you like the doors and yeah you know yeah. But you wouldn't go as far as getting a jacket. Oh yeah, you've got a jacket. You know, <laughs> feels you know like, it feels more like a scene. Yeah, then right. then yeah. you'd like the music. You know, feel mm. and again, you know, yes, you do like the music and that sort of stuff. But it feels more like I oh, know I'm just hanging out, hanging out in this cool bar. And after a while, some people have left because they go, yeah, this isn't so cool anymore. Mm. And, w- and later on in life, when you drive past that bar, you go, that was Ooh. embarrassing when I used to <laughs> hang out there. Yeah. And, and so there's another common factor, isn't it? These are all male white bands aren't they mm. you know for white males yes yeah yeah yeah. you know i mean they, it's a provision of culture it's like here you go you know this is safe you can go down here and experiment with the idea of rastafarianism but you know then yeah, move on yeah. and get a gcse or whatever do you know what i mean like it's kind of it's there for you i mean i think the early predecessor of all of this for me would have been iron maiden mm-hmm. you know where uh, yeah, i discovered them and it was just like oh, yeah, you know, this is, like, radical, and so, mm. you know, my parents will hate this type of thing, you know, and, um, you know, I still love putting on Rain Ancient Mariner once in a while, but um, that's almost got more of a kind of a, a kind of a heartwarming nostalgia to it because of how young I was mm. when I came across it, but, well, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'd almost go as far as saying metal that things. metal itself... Is almost like a the entire genre. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't mean that uh, disparagingly, because you know I'm just saying, almost for that age group, it's something mm. that you know your parents aren't going to be listening to. You yeah. Know? So yeah. it is almost like a, a rite of passage thing. Mm. Like, finally, I can find something. I can put this on loud, and yeah, this is going to drive them absolutely nuts, and they're not going to follow me on this one. You know, like type of thing. Yeah. And uh, and for those who weren't quite as brave enough to go the full sort of you know. Swedish death metal, there was grunge. You know, you could <laughs> sort of yes, yeah, yeah. You could sort of get in and, and do your Nirvana and, and Pearl Jam, whatever you know, Soundgarden, and, and sort of hit a little, hit a bit of that, but without being too, you know. Um, yes, it was uh, the modern man's uh, ACDC. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I've got one more for you. You might enjoy this one. This is one that occurred to me almost straight away, um, because like growing up in Scotland in the eighties, a very different time a very different world but I, I reckon there was a phase there where just by being a scottish rock band um it made it a bit cool you know you had that kind of weird um patriotism a bit like you have with 
you know, your Paul Kellys and, uh, you know, Midnight Oil, where you, mm. you're just real proud of them. So you had a, a, a suite of, of bands that came through that um, everyone liked because they were coming from up the road, mm. you know? Mm. So you had uh, bands like Deacon Blue, you had bands like Big Country just before then, mm. um, Marillion as well, if you like that kind of stuff. And I did. And you know they were all of a of a type, and the type mm. was just that they were from Scotland. So you kind of like, <laughs> yeah. you know, simple minds, the ultravox, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. There was like a, a, a large number of really great pop bands mm. for you there to grab. Mm. Um, but it doesn't take you long for you to realise there's a larger world, right? Yeah. And as soon as you sort of, you know. Get this! I remember there was a time when I thought you two were a bit exotic, <laughs> you know, just because they came yeah, yeah, yeah. from Ireland, like yeah. over the ditch, across the Irish yeah. Sea. There, I was like, Whoa, okay, they've got bands here as well. Yeah, I know, I know, because I thought I was quite out there getting my first U two album, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that was a funny little twist on it because, yeah. I mean, everything from Orange Juice, Strawberry Switchblade, all of those ones that made it to the top, you were sort of going for them. Yeah, you know, you got behind them just because you felt like. Mm. It was from your, you know, yeah. neck of the woods. Yeah. You know, and um, it might have been similar here when, say, uh, I don't know, ACDC did really, really well in the UK mm. or America. Mm. People who didn't really love them previously in Australia might have gone, I'm really proud of them, you know. Mm. Yeah, they got yeah. a couple of good songs as well, you know. Mm. So just a parallel, just a thought there that about the, that kind of aspect of the concept as well, you know. Yeah. yeah. I, w- some, I wonder how much of it too is... You know, because you, you talk about going through that. Uh, is it helped when um, when the band is associated with you know, a, either a cultural movement or some or a moment in time? So I think about the Cure and Goth, right? Yes. Now, uh, on my uh, list it, as well. On my list. There you go. Yeah. So at at some point, you know, maybe you're you're it, it hits when you're at that age and you you know you don a bit of makeup or whatever you wear black or something at the wrong time. In in summer, trench um, coat in a <laughs> in the tropics. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but at some point, you have to grow out of that because everyone else looks at that and goes, "Well, you know, it's funny, yeah. you know, and and you know, black eyeliner doesn't look good <laughs> on <laughs> most runs. gentlemen, yeah. and it runs, yeah." Um, so yeah, so I wonder. But again, does that mean uh, uh, that that uh, people later on who who didn't grow up with the Cure, uh, do they? Do they look? Do they go through that phase? Do they, or, or is there some other cultural thing where? No, no, I think you look for any. You look for any. Um, you know, we had the whole emo thing again. Mm, yeah, you're right. You know, in the right. in the sort of emo later back, yeah. later nineties, mm. early two thousands, and that sort of thing. So, you know, with your Fallout Boy and um, Panic at the Disco, Panic at the, dis- <laughs> <laughs> Panic at the Disco, Panic. AFI, those at sorts of bands. You know, so yeah. Um, yeah, and like it really is a thing where teenagers will gravitate to yeah to. To things that they're feeling at the time. So, yeah. why am I getting? <laughs> I'm getting some strange looks here, folks. From, from some. Of, well, your makeup starting to run. That's my all I'm just trying. My line is my line is running. So we. That's right. I say one thing up. about you know the difficulty of looking good as an older goth. Then luckily you've got Robert Smith out there still doing it and looking yes. twice as bad as anybody else. You yeah. know, so you know, thanks Bob um, for showing us the way. Um, <laughs> Showing but again, that's, that's a band that I, I loved, you know, intensely for a while, and um, still do. I, though. Like, I just, yeah. you know, I, I've got nostalgia for them, but I can't really put on their records in the same way. Mm. You know, mm. something about it is definitely a phase band for me. Yeah. yeah, and of course, the ultimate phase band, which I just wanted to mention, is Led Zeppelin. You know, 
Everybody, it's, it's been a very long phase for, yeah, for a lot right. of people. Everybody thinks still phase. Yeah. Oh, they're going to get into some you know, hard rock and Led Zepp, and then yeah, and they people, do. Most people quickly grow out of it, but <laughs> unfortunately, a few members of the troop here haven't. Yeah, that's right. Still stuck in it. Yeah, yeah. All right, live it forever. Very good. And on that note, I think we'll uh, yeah we'll leave it there. But uh, please get onto our social media, various sites, Instagram, Facebook, uh, and. Please let us know, you know, some phase bands that we've missed and also some of your Goosebump songs. And a reminder to get onto Spotify. Uh, Lord Al's been very busy putting all the all the playlists for these episodes up on Spotify and you'll be able to find the playlist for tonight's episode there as well eventually. Um, and we find that by searching for our profile, Lords of Loud, and then there's a, there's a tab there that you can click which says uh, playlists or I think it says public playlists or something like that. Things uh, as playlists. Yeah, which then allows you to, to sort of see all the playlists for the episode. So please go ahead and do that. And you can uh, listen along with the actual, the full songs that we obviously can't play for various copyright reasons on Spotify. Even though they're a major sponsor of the show. So let me get this right. I don't understand why we're not allowed. If you want to get the playlist, you go and you find the playlist button and you click that button and it will play the playlist. No. No, right. no you, you, you go it's to a newfangled thing. <laughs> Kev, we'll we'll it's explain, it. We'll well, explain well, yeah. it to you later. Let's go offline and explain it to him. <laughs> yeah. Does someone need to explain offline to him though? That's, That's right. Yeah, yeah. But for now, stay safe and uh, buy from the Lords Allowed. Join us next time. Lords Allowed is recorded at Zip Studios and proudly distributed as part of the Zenith Command Network. 